Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Beyond the Cover. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Robb, joined here, of course, by my fabulous, wonderful other co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. How goes it? Ah, it goes good. Two weeks, uh, two weeks ago uh, was a great show with, um, well, Sean Parnell didn't quite make it on, but um, he called, and I guess something happened, so just to let people know that he did say he tried to call in, couldn't get through, so, so we just misplaced, so he was trying to get on, so that's good news. At least he didn't just... Tell us to fuck off. So that's good. <laughs> we, um, we are uh, trying to reschedule him now. Yeah, maybe uh, we, we just figured out that our next show will probably be October 2nd in two weeks. So you can put your calendars down for that, and we'll get you on that one. But I want to also remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Kensington Books. So make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their authors and their releases. Got some great stuff coming out from them. One of their authors is going to come on, Kevin O'Brien. We're going to book him for his latest book. Uh, and he's a Kensington author, so um, that's right. Yeah, and uh, I never, I didn't see him at the uh, conference, so I was bummed. Oh, was he supposed to be there? Uh, well, they had his books and everything, but I never saw him on the schedule, so I don't know mm, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, maybe he didn't show then, because you know, Kevin, if he's going to show, he's going to run you down. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. But we do yeah, avoid Morrison coming up. Um, we are waiting for author P.J. Tracy to come on. Uh, hopefully we don't get shunned on this one, but if we do, we have Boyd coming up um, at the top of the hour, at 8 o'clock hour, and he's going to be talking about his latest book that he wrote um, with Claude Kessler's name on it called Shadow Tyrants. Um, Which is a great book. The, I had fun with Yeah, it. and I'm halfway through it. <clears throat> so, And that's the fifth uh, Oregon Files book I think he's written uh, as of right now. And I believe it's the 13th one in the series. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can look that up here real quick. Because the problem with Clive is that he has so many uh, different things going on. <laughs> you know, The man's his own publishing machine. He is. I mean, Oregon Files, Numa Files. I think his son's still doing, you know, Dirk Pitt and, you know, still got all that going on. Um, then you got the Fargos and you got the um, Fargo Isaac Bell. And uh, well. Isaac yep. Bell. Yep. Isaac Bell. Uh, let me see. It doesn't give a number for this one. It just says the Oregon Files, but I'll take your word for it that you're right. But this is Boyd's fifth. Boyd Smith. He had. Um, let's see. I know he started off with uh, Piranha. Then he went to what? Emperor's Revenge. Um. And then he went. Uh, well, Typher and Fury was number four, or was it number three? Yeah. No. This is his fourth. This is the fourth. Yeah, okay. So Typhoon Fury was number Fury was number 4. Shadow Tyrants is number is the fourth one. And uh Typhoon right, Fury right. is 3. Yeah. The only one yes. I have not read is Typhoon is Typhoon uh that is a fucking tongue twister. Typhoon Fury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sit there and say it. I can't say it. So, yeah, Empire's Revenge so is my favorite. But this one <laughs> But this one's doing pretty good. Uh so far, like I said, I'm about halfway through the book and um it's good. I I always I I like kind of this style, I guess, where you want to say two rival factions kind of going after something, and the Oregon is kind of 
there to try to swoop it up before either one of them get it, that they both think they're doing something good, but they're not doing something good. So I kind of like that style. I kind of like that style a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a confirmation for her to call our number. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, i got to tell you, I've had, you know, sometimes you have this before, and they're like, yeah, 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 I got it, got it, and they screw up the time. I literally had somebody say, oh, so I said, because I was doing, you know, I do shows on Saturday. And I sat there and I go, hey, you know, the show is, you know, I started at 9 a.m. Saturday morning Pacific time. And they're like, oh, that might be too early. And they're like on the East Coast, like New York or something. They're like, oh, that might be too early to me. That's 6 a.m. my time. And I'm like, "Uh, no, that's the actual reverse. You're actually noon. I'm the early one. You're the late one. (laughs) Uh Yeah, right. Oh, shit. You know, I don't know. So some people get lost time, especially like in England or something. They get they kind of get lost track of the time um, mm-hmm. because it's eight hour difference, which is why I do the show at nine a.m. Because I have British authors calling into the show, like you know Peter James, and I've had you know Simon Toyn and uh, you know a host of others that call from Britain, John Conley, and so I want to make sure that it's only like five o'clock at night for them because if I start the show later, it starts becoming later and it's too difficult. Can't do it at night. Like we're not going to have any. We did have a British author call into the show here once, didn't we? It was like two a.m. over there. They said. Yeah, that um, that was Who a was lot it? of fun. They they enjoyed. It. In fact, he said um, he said he afterwards like, that he stayed up writing. Yeah, and he said, <laughs> yeah, I just I just kept writing. It was Adam Hamby. That's right. That's right. That was yeah. a great one. I mean, there's been yeah. so much. Um, oh, you want me to give her a call? We're gonna we're gonna give her a call. So uh, why don't you do that? Go off, and uh, I'll talk for a minute. Okay, I'm gonna give her a call. Here good? we go. Yeah, do it. All up. right, and I'll talk. So, um, PJ Tracy was the pseudonym of the mother and daughter writing team of PJ and Tracy Lembrecht, and uh, Tracy is now writing the book solo because her mom passed away in December of 2016, and The Guilty Dead is her new book. And it's the first one she wrote by herself, and it is terrific. And it's part of a series called the Monkey Ranch Group. Uh, well, it just says Monkey Ranch, but Monkey Ranch is a team of computer crack geniuses, and they um, use technology to help solve crimes in Minneapolis. And it's a terrific series. And um, my review of the book appeared in Associated Press last week. And we so the reason that John just went off the air is because uh, we just discovered that the publicist gave her the wrong phone number. <laughs> we love publicists. So anyway, um, this is a terrific book, and I'm looking forward to talking to her about it and the process. And uh, the other, like he said, Boyd's going to be the other author tonight. And I also reviewed that for the Associated Press as well. Uh, Shadow Tyrants was a lot of fun. Um, I'm a big fan of the Oregon Files. I'm not a fan, per se, of a couple of the other Cussler series that he does currently, but Oregon Files is a lot of fun, and Boyd okay, does a good Jeff, job on those. I'm going to clock in here. Yes. I got her. Hi. I got her. She was already. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, awesome. she was like, I got a phone, and I was leaving messages, and it was these weird beeps and whatnot, and it's like, ah, that's all right. <laughs> so we got on the phone, so she's on hold right now. So um, that's I, I just did fast, an so. intro of her and her books. Wonderful. So here's PJ. So 
we want to welcome PJ Tracy uh, to the show. So, Tracy, how you doing? Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to meet you two by phone. How are you? Doing great. Hi this there, is good. Why, this is why live is so much fun, because you just don't know what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> well, you never know. Like, like I can't call in. I got the wrong phone number from the publicist. I know. That's amazing. Now, just I looked it up, and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're wondering, it's like, where the heck is she? Oh, my God, she fell asleep when she's in a bar somewhere, totally drunk. Oh, that's that, happened. We've had that. We've said that many times on this show. We've had an author who called us who was in the bar drinking, left, still drinking, into his car, drunk, driving home, interviewing us, interviewing with us until he got home. Well, at least you saw him safely to home, right? <laughs> when we told him, we said, okay, we won't get off the phone until we make sure that you're home. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and we're not posting bail if you get a Dewey. Exactly. Um, now, just out of curiosity, was that your book publicist or like an outside publicist that you hired? That it was you hired? an outside publicist. Oh, shit. The check's not in the mail this month. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, oh, they're going to feel really horrible, and I am so sorry about the delay. My apologies. Oh, don't even worry. But we got to – but since we have a guest we got coming you up on at now. 8 – Yeah, but since so, since we have a guest coming up at 8, we got Boyd coming out at 8. Let's jump into uh, number 9 book here in your um, Monkey Wrench series, and it's called The Guilty Dead. The book came out on September the 11th. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the book? Well, the Guilty Dead centers around um, very powerful family dynasty and the drug overdose of the Golden Sun and um, the subsequent suspected suicide of the um, patriarch of the family and the grieving father. And it seems, you know, like an obvious cut and dried suicide. Um, but when the detectives arrive on the scene, they find lots of inconsistencies and, oh, believe it or not, another dead body on the property. So the cops follow a twisted trail of deceit and revenge and political ambitions and um, ultimately end up connecting with the 20-year-old murder through a big tangle of digital evidence. <laughs> uh, could you t – well, first of all, I have to say I love the book. I did the AP review that you probably saw. And thank and you so much, but Jeff. Just wonderful. I appreciate it. I'm glad oh, you like you're welcome. Book. Oh, I, I did immensely. Um, talk to me about the origins of Monkey Wrench. I just love these guys. Oh, yeah. Good. Thanks so much. Well, Monkey Wrench really started out, you know, PJ was my mother and writing partner for like 20 years, and um, she passed in 2016. But when we conceived of Monkey Wrench, uh, the first and foremost, we wanted – to write about characters that were a little crazy, a little unexpected, and the kind of people you'd want to meet at a dinner party, right? And so, you know, not being techies ourselves, we thought, okay, these people you can't really read, you know, they're computer geniuses, can do anything, and we thought that might be a really good foundation for an interesting set of protagonists for the novels. And um, we also love the idea of incorporating tech into it because um, – just because it changes constantly, it's always on a, a you know, infinite upward tra trajectory that you can't predict, and anything you can imagine is going to be possible by the time the book is published. So that was really fun, and we also like to juxtapose um, tech with the old-fashioned detective work. You know, 
you know, computers crunch data, but you can't read a situation. They can't read a situation or a suspect. So the human element is still really critical in solving mysteries. Right. Mm-hmm. So true. So first of all, condolences, of course, um, for your passing. Even though it was oh, two years you. ago, it's still yeah, still condolences. And so I, I kind of wanted to know. Um, you know, how has your, your writing style changed now uh, that, you're, that you're solo? I mean, was it, was it a hard transition, not just the emotional side, but just mainly from the uh, execution side of the book? Actually, it was absolutely no transition at all. And the only way I can kind of explain it is that the voice of P.J. Tracy and Monkey Wrench, the first novel in the series, came out in 2003. So that voice of P.J. Tracy wasn't P.J.'s. And it wasn't mine. It was our own language we created together, and we were both fluent in it. And so I actually was really quite surprised that, you know, after passing, two weeks after she passed, I started The Guilty Dead. And it was like she was there with me. You know, felt her presence, heard her laughter, those zinger witticisms she always threw out and kept me in stitches. And... um you know, also realizing that writing and especially Monkey Wrench is always going to be my enduring tether to her. And so it was very cathartic. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was kind of amazing. It was a very intense experience. But I was so pleased to be able to kind of seamlessly jump into the next book. I, I wasn't sure. You know, truthfully, you never know. Well, I'm curious. Um, did you intend when you created Monkey Wrench – to make it a series? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. It was funny. Monkey Wrench was absolutely a standalone novel, and um, it just really came out with a bang and was very successful, and the publisher asked us. He said, well, you know, how about a series? And, you know, are you going to say no to that? Of course not. (laughs) So we jumped totally on board, but, um, you know, with some apprehension because, you know, conceiving of something and perceiving it also as a standalone, you know, where are you going to go? Who are your protagonists? We had two very strong ones in the pair of detectives and also in Monkey Wrench. And so we just said, okay, we're going to do it, fly by the seat of our pants. But it ended up being a really delightful um, experience. I mean, very enriching and fun. But, um you know, I don't know. I mean, people say, well, what about your next series? And it's like, well, you know, maybe I'd like to just really do a standalone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but besides the paycheck, of course, what's the one driving force that, that, that keeps bringing you back to the series and maybe not do that standalone? Well, I think, you know, part of, you know, a huge, huge part of it is that when you spend so many years with these characters, they're they're not fictitious to me anymore. I mean, you know, that may sound a little bit crazy, but they're they're like family. I know them. I you know, I was recently asked, do you have to have like the classic Bible where you keep track of whose kid is what age and if they went to prom and who did this and what's their background? And the the answer is no. I know them like you know, I, I know my cousin or my aunt or my father and so it's just you know, it's they're, they're friends and it's familiar, and I love writing them. And I think, you know, a key part about writing is, like, as long as you have passion for what you're writing about, even though it's a series with recurring characters, 
you know, you're in really good shape, you're golden. The minute you lose that passion or think, God, I hate these guys, I want to kill them off in the next book, <laughs> then, you know, you're in trouble. And so far, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> but I think I can probably do both. I will never stop writing the monkey wrench, folks. So. That's cool. Well, I was wondering, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this as spoiler-free as possible. Um <laughs> Did you kind of write yourself into a corner with your main cop character and his partner with the results of what's happened at the end of this book? Spoiler you know, free as I, I could. always write myself <laughs> corner, always, and I always find a way to write myself out. But actually, you know, that was, you know, bizarrely, and if it came across as that, um, I really had that part planned. You know, in, in some weird way, it was formed in my mind which is kind of unusual for me because I don't outline, I can't outline, PJ and I never did. You know, we we're very organic, dynamic writers, and it was always, um, you know, spontaneity is very, very important. I feel like you're just completely doing characters a disservice if you outline and put them in this box and they're going to do A, B, and C, period. So, like, I read a chapter. Every chapter I write changes what's going to happen in the book. So, you know, literally the plot is is changing up until probably page 350. Okay. I, was now, that a good answer? Did that answer your question without spoiling things? I, I think that was a good way to get around it. Thank you. <laughs> good. Well, it's really hard to be vague. I'm normally so didactic. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, see, because... Stephen James, who who you might know, uh, author, and he does a lot of teaching, he always talks about you want to write yourself into a corner because that's where you find your best ideas because you've got to get yourself out. And if you can get yourself out, then you've just found, like, a great idea, and that's what you need to do. So he, 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 all, he kind of talks about wanting to get yourself there. Well, that's really interesting. I think it, there is something to that, you know, yeah. for sure. Because when you, you know, when you're – at that point where it's like, oh, my God, what have I done? I really have to start problem solving. And then you just hunger down, and it's like the last thing you do before you die. I'm going to figure this out. And then when you do, it's so cool and rewarding. And, yeah, it totally brings you in places, totally, you know, unexpected places you never would have imagined had you, you know, had the foresight to think, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. So, so yes, I, I love Stephen. I think he's a very smart man. <laughs> so, so to kind of give people a little sense of you know who you are outside of the author, uh, like what TV you know, like what TV shows you watching? I mean, is there anything that you like watch religiously that you want to tell people? Oh my God, you got to start watching this show, or you know, do you have some bingeable stuff that you get into? Oh God, to- yeah, I totally binge on stuff. <laughs> well, there's a PBS show called Mercy Street about the Civil War. Totally binge watch that. Poldark also, you know, which was a, a novel in the seven, I believe in the seventies. Another great show, but you know, I'll give you my my little my little dirty secret. There was a show on Fox for four seasons, I believe, called Lucifer, and it was about the devil coming to Earth and going to Los Angeles, becoming a nightclub owner, and working yeah. with cops, solve crimes. Yeah, I saw and the first two episodes and I was out. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, yeah, you know, well, you're, 
you're a better man than I am, I guess. It was just like, I don't know, for some reason that was like candy to me, and I couldn't wait, and I'd get my popcorn popped. And now it's been canceled, but it's on Netflix for season five in case people are interested. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, as I was going to say it got renewed. <laughs> well, it did. I mean, I'm happy. And it's going to be sexier and darker this. on Netflix. It could be on network, right? Well, because Jeff and I have talked about this on the show before with, like, TV shows. Like, myself, whenever they ask a question or this and that, like, kind of like a blacklist. I I always use blacklist because it's an easy one to do. It's kind of like, who is this FBI agent's relationship to James Spader? But once you find that out, it's like, okay, it's done. It's like, well, okay, now it's just another cop show with the same bad guy of the week. Yeah, it's like the same bad guy of the week, and then I get to hear about the torture that your family goes through and all this other crap, and yeah, you all got fucking insanity problems and all this other stuff, and I'm just so bored. I mean, I always tell people, Murder, She Wrote and Law and Order were the two perfect shows I loved because it was just about the case that 60 minutes. When when they start getting into all their family crap, I'm like, oh. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, TV, like, can get so backloaded with really a mean backstory that you're like, come on, please, you know, give me a case and solve it. I know, it's like Law & Order was fantastic. So I know what you watch. So, you know, do you guys have any recommendations for me? No, I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, I love elementary. I mean, I know that there's always some underlying storylines, but they're kind of short and they kind of stop, but it's still... 85% 85% of the show is about that case at that time, so I like that elementary. That's a great show. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to throw in the show Timeless. It's my favorite yeah, show right now. Yeah, NBC's yeah, goofed that up. was another binge show I watched. Okay. I love that show. <laughs> I'm I so glad they're going to do a closure movie. Please sure. tell me it's not canceled. Uh, they're going to do a two-hour movie. Oh, like a motion picture or TV? Uh, it's going to be a TV, TV movie. Yeah, but Oh, my gosh. The... Thank God. Yeah, I know. They need to close that because good grief. <laughs> that was I know. But it was a brilliant show. It was so inventive, and I was always um, kind of a big sucker for fantasy and time travel. Did you ever – you're probably too young, but did you ever watch Quantum Leap back in the Love 80s? Oh, Quantum yeah. Leap. Loved it. But see, and that was the great – thing about all those shows in the 80s it was just about that episode that week you could watch you could miss a couple episodes and not really care what happened because you didn't miss anything right exactly and now tv shows are like trying to read a series of novels that have nine novels right you know and they're remaking magnum pi and you know that they're going to put Magnum P.I., they're going to have these underlining storylines that go through this show, but Magnum I was know, always he's, just about... I know, he's going to be like, have, have been kidnapped and tortured. Yeah, and... that's not what Magnum P.I. was about. Matt Houston and, you know, all those shows and, you know, those were the... Remington Steel and all those, those were great. I mean, <laughs> the only one that was kind of had an underlining story was Moonlighting. It was like, are they going to sleep together? And then once yeah, they did, and everything that was the it. show was done. But, yeah, and yep, when exactly. you have a relationship culminate, it's done. Yeah. It's over. And it was. Yeah. But that was a great job, too. Yeah. So, now, well, and so, um, and, but there's, real quick, sorry, Jeff, and there's a real quick question. But there's correlations <laughs> between those movies and how those TV shows and kind of what the way books are going right now. Because you seem to get a massive bunch of one thing all of a sudden 
and then it kind of trickles away, and then it's another thing all of a sudden coming. Like right now, mystery thriller, or, uh, military spy stuff. I can't read. It's like it's like Stairway to Heaven. I can't hear it anymore. Stairway to Heaven. Well, you know, I totally it's like agree so with you there. And it's, it's it's kind of funny because like Tom Clancy started that whole genre, and you know, amazing writer, whatever. I could never read Tom Clancy. Yeah. Oh. That's all right because he's not writing them anymore. No, no, he's certainly he's certainly not. But you know, I know that Mark Greeny does a really good job. Mark Greeny, if you ever want to pick it up, he does a really good job. But he still has to write that Clancy style. We had him on talking, but he's a really good writer. Oh well, I will look him up for sure. I'm always looking for new authors. I'm a racist reader when I have time. Yeah, he he's good if you if you like the uh, really intense action and he's very good at that and he of course goes to book signings and they call him tom clancy <laughs> <laughs> well he's, he's like the protege he's the new tom clancy i mean he needs a replacement right i mean the tom clancy was i was actually at Bauschcon um last weekend and i was on a panel oh. about writing techno thrillers and i never really thought that Monkey Wrench were really techno thrillers, and then we got this whole discussion about what are they, and is that kind of an archaic term, and I guess we never really determined anything, but he was given homage to the moderator at the beginning as Tom Clancy, the father of techno thrillers. I don't know (laughs) if you guys agree, but that's what he said. I I would say yes, I I would, just because his books more relied on technology than they did on plots. Oh, I'm sorry. Um... Yes, yeah, right. I mean, I'm was, normally the one who throws in it? the zingers, but every once in a while, Jeff gets a zinger in there. I like that. He gets a little, he gets, <laughs> he gets a little saucy. <laughs> well, you guys keep it saucy. It's like, well, it's not late night, but it's evening radio, so anything goes right as long as you don't throw <laughs> out Well, he he can, he does. Um, <laughs> but I, I have a question here for you. Back to your yes, book. Sir. So, I'm going to give you a hypothetical, and I'm curious. Um, what you will say. So here's the hypothetical. Your publisher has approached you about your next book in the Monkey Wrench series, and they say, uh-huh. we, would, we would like you to kill off a main character. In fact, they're, they're oh, practically that's... demanding it. That, Who would so it be they... and why? So we're not going to publish unless you go off a main character? That's correct. So who would it be and why? Who would it be and why? Well, first of all, I would, you know, protest. And probably tell them to, you know, you know yeah. what. You'd probably be changing, looking at changing publishers. <laughs> right, exactly. And say, are you? Well, actually, you know, a long time ago, I think it was after Live Better Dead Run, um, my agent said, you know, do you want to kill off? Maybe you should kill off Annie. And we're like, oh, are you, what? But okay, so this hypothetical, if I had to kill off somebody, I think it would probably be. Roadrunner, only because he's so tragic in my mind, and it would seem like sort of a romantic, poetic end to his character. But I'm not going to do it, you guys. Oh, no, of course not. And if you did, I would never speak to you again. But <laughs> <laughs> And Tracy, real, and and would Tracy, real quick. I, publish it what, what part of I think that's it. And Tracy, now, and we're, real quick now, what part of Minnesota are you in? Because I used to live in uh, Eaton Prairie. I'm about half an hour north of Minneapolis in a very nice rural setting, and I live on a little private lake. I feel like it's paradise. Because 
we lived in Eden Prairie for five years. No, did you really? Yeah, yeah, we lived right off of Flying Cloud Drive. Oh, I know. I have tons of friends off Flying Cloud. That's yeah. hilarious. You think about me? Are you in Seattle now? I am. No, Jeff's in Seattle. I'm John, so I'm in L.A. Oh, so, okay, all right. Yeah. I lived in L.A. for 10 years. Yeah, so I live out in Simi Valley. <laughs> wow. Jeff lives in Seattle. But we moved from Eden Prairie to Cincinnati, where we were from originally in Ohio, and then we moved back, and then we moved to L.A. about 13 years ago. No I'm sorry. kidding. Wow, Eden yeah. Prairie. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. I mean, it's south, so it's about uh, 45 minutes for me. But, yeah, so yeah, you know the hood. Because we're in the southwest corner down there. But, yeah, I just, I saw, I, I didn't, it didn't ring a bell until I saw your area code. And then I go, oh, I know that. <laughs> like, I know that area code. Huh? That's cool. Oh, sorry. That's hilarious. I, I, I had no idea. So yeah. how, how do you like L.A.? Oh, I yeah, love L.A. That, yeah, it's great. No. I was there for 10 years no. and I had a ball. <laughs> do we have uh, any signs of um, TV or movies since we talked about uh, that earlier for our oh, friends here? you know, there has been tons of stuff. And, you know, the series has been an option for a TV show <laughs> with a lot of backstory, right? <laughs> and... um you know, we've had feelers out, and it's one of those things. I mean, if you know Hollywood, things happen, or they might happen in 10 years or 25 years, or I could be dead, but, you know, we're always oh. still trying. Because I really think, you know, some of the books would really translate to film, and I have a background in screenwriting. You know, I wrote screenplays for several years, and so did PJ, and you know, if I ever had, if I was on deadline all the time, I would probably, you know, do an adaptation of one of the books and get it out there. And maybe that'll happen someday. But right now I'm on deadline. I have 30 pages left on Monkey Wrench 10, and my deadline is next week. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll take like, you know, a month. It's like, can I write a 120 page screenplay in a month? Probably not, but I could try. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so um, clearly you're telling me that since it's in Monkey Wrench again, you're not going to do that standalone anytime soon, and that's okay. Well, with I've written one, two standalones, well, about 250 pages of two different standalones already. So I think when I finish Monkey 10, get that out, and in the short time between edits and, and that entire process, I'm going to try to flesh them out and finish at least one. So it'll be like a little surprise for the publisher. It's like, do you want 11? Okay, but guess what? Here's this. <laughs> oh, that's a nice way to do it, yeah. It is. You know, it's just like I wish there was more time in the day, but, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, I love writing. I have the greatest job in the world, and I do it 365 days a year, not because I have to, but because I want to. You know, it's like I, you I, unwrap I, I, Christmas gifts, and it's like, all right, got to go, and you get back in front of the computer. <laughs> well, Tracy, Love hey, right. we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely wonderful. And sorry that we had to, you know, we missed about ten minutes, but we got to get you back on again. Well, absolutely. You give me a call anytime. I would be thrilled to get on chat with you guys. You were an absolute blast. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, so real oh, quick before so you much. go, real quick before you go, uh, let everybody know the best place to find out about you, your website, social media, put all that out there. 
Yeah, all right. PJTracy.com is our website, and you can find me on Facebook, and that's PJ Tracy Author. Awesome. And cool. the book is called The Guilty Dead, and it's available now. It came out September 11th, so people go out and check it out. Book nine in the series. And people can read book nine and kind of pick wherever, right? I mean, you don't have to go yep, from yeah, one and work your way Yeah, up. you can do that for sure, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Tracy. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We will talk with you soon. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great night, and thanks again. All right, bye-bye. You too. Thanks again. So, again, everybody, that is author PJ Tracy. The book is called The Guilty Dead. Make sure you visit pjtracy.com for more information on all of her books. Boy's on hold. Um, I jumped over and talked to him, so he's on hold. So we're just going to continue right on here and, and bring him on. A um, man who needs no introduction, of course. Uh, uh, the, the you know the the wonderful and the marvelous Boyd Morrison. So Boyd, how you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> it's been, I think it's I been too long to have you on. Uh, so I great know. to talk to you. Haven't seen you in a while either. And like I said, we're going to see you next year in New York, which is going to be great. But man, it's great to have you on and talking about the latest book, Shadow Tyrants. So how's everything yeah. going? Let us know. It- it's going great. I uh, had a good time at the Bouchcon Writers Conference, and uh, I actually got to meet the narrator of all of Clive's audiobooks, Scott Brick, and uh, had a good time at lunch with him. He's a, he's a great guy, and his voice is just as silky smooth in person as it is on the audiobooks. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So give us a little uh, so give us a little in depth here in Shadow Tyrus. Of course, it's the next Oregon Files book. Um, it's coming off the heels of Typhoon Fury. So what do you so what do you got for us? So uh, yeah, it's Shadow Tyrant is Oregon number Oregon Files number thirteen, and in this book, um, the descendants of a group of a shadowy group of men, uh, people called the Nine Unknown Men who were created by uh, the Emperor Ashoka the Terrible, who was the first emperor to, un- to conquer the entire subcontinent of India in 261 BC, um, uh, entrusted these Nine Unknown Men with all the knowledge of the world um, because he was worried that if somebody had if if a single individual had all of this knowledge they could rule the earth and so um 2000 years later this this group of un, nine unknown men's descendants have found each other and are trying to use the the knowledge that their descendants have left them to, and they've all used that knowledge to their families have have grown super rich based on on the wealth that was um left to them uh, through the, through the thousand two thousand years, and they want to make the world a better place, but they are using nefarious means to do it. And there are two different um, uh, factions within the nine unknown who are fighting against each other. And the Oregon and and Juan Cabrillo and his crew have to stop both of them from um, basically ruining the world. It's never just a small town. <laughs> no, never no. I mean, well, never that would be hard town. for Oregon anyway, since it's a ship. You know, I, I thought right. about setting the next book in Kansas, but that just wouldn't work. Oh, it's true. <laughs> Going well, down to Mississippi. I, 
<laughs> so Boyd, actually, um, talk about the organ because I got to say, it's a character in itself in these books, and that's one of the reasons I love them so much. Talk about writing yeah. the character for the organ. Well, the organ is is definitely one of the main draws of this series, not just for the readers, but for me as well. It's it's a um, on the outside, it's this what looks to be this tramp steamer about 500 feet long, this old beat up cargo ship that looks like it's about to sink. It's rusty. The paint is peeling. There's trash all over the deck, and and it, if you go inside, it's smells and and the linoleum is cracked and and it just looks like it hasn't been taken care of in 30 years but on the inside it's one of the most high-tech spy ships it's probably the most high-tech spy ship in the world and has all kinds of uh weaponry and gadgets and um a crew made up of ex uh navy seals and cia agents and um, they have all kinds of the toys that, that James Bond and, and the, the crew of Mission Impossible would love. In fact, I, I kind yeah. of think of it as Mission Impossible on the water because they often take on these heists where they, they are in disguise or they have to break into some secure facility and um, use all kinds of clever means to do it. I 100% agree, and that's another reason why I like him so much. Now, one thing here is, you know, I don't know if people know, but you, you do some acting also. So, you know, you do, um, you do a lot of stage. You like to do the stage in the theater. Yes. So yeah. In fact, I, next April, I'm, I've already been cast in um, a stage uh, play of 12 Angry Men. Oh, my so God, dude. That was my doing? favorite fucking movie. I own both versions. <laughs> And I and I just watched and I just watched the uh, Henry Fonda one about a week ago. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm playing juror number four, which was E.G. Marshall's role. Yes, you're playing the guy who. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, E.G. Spoilers. Marshall, the old one. He's kind of a stuffy <laughs> businessman who. Who? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wear a loud. Yes, yes. No, like and, the and, and in the newer one, yes, he was the businessman who. Um, couldn't remember the movie at the very end, and then that's when he kind of changed his vote. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he kind of messed one up of the, the movie that he to saw. Around to the right, and then he was one of the last the... ones to come around. Yeah, that's right. So here's my question then for you as an actor. If one of these books, whichever one you want to pick, was made into a movie, who would you want to play out of the four that you Who were... would I want to play? Yeah, who um, would you want to play? Theory? Who would you think would be the most fun character that you would have to play in, in a movie? Um, well, it would, I think the one of the most fun characters would be Mark Murphy. Um, he is kind of their tech guru, and he's this scruffy guy who's um, into heavy metal music and always wears my man. t-shirts yeah, my man. With, with crazy sayings on them, and he's kind of the snarkiest member of the crew, and so he gets a lot of the good lines. And uh, it, it would just be fun to, to have, have his dialogue. I, I I would agree with you 100%. He would have been my choice too, <laughs> if I if I had a choice. Like we all have choices like that, sure. If you right, need some right, help yeah. with the, if you need some help with like some heavy metal stuff, you just give me a call because that's my that's my alley. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I use you know, I, I, you, I often make up crazy name, band names for for his t-shirts. Well, you know what you know what today so, is, right? 
Today's the 35th anniversary of Kiss taking their makeup off for the first time on MTV. Hey. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> taking it off now. You'd see how old they really were. Ooh, well, yeah, and, yeah, um, you see it. The fact that you know that just terrifies me on so many levels. Yeah. Dude, I, I know so much crappy. Now. Hey, but Boy's the one who won Jeopardy, so he's got a lot of trivia in his head, too, that only works in one place. Yeah, that's all, that's all gone now. I used it all up on Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. Well, I, I was going to – back to uh, – well, actually, I was going to ask you a follow-up acting. Why uh, the decision to go toward drama? Because um, – I've seen some of your plays, and you're great at comedy. Um, well, I love doing comedy, um, but uh, this one, actually, I was recruited to be in the cast. The The director um, called up 12 actors that he knew because he, he just he didn't want to do auditions. He just wanted to find 12 actors he thought were good and, tr- and that he trusted and um, – because it's such a, a meaty play, and and I do like to do dramas once in a while, and um, so, and and this one is just such an iconic show that um, True. it was you know impossible to turn down, but uh, I'm sure I'll do a, a comedy after that one to, to cleanse my palate because I I love getting the feedback from the audience. It's it's much different than in a drama where you hope they're enjoying it but but you don't really know but with a comedy you know immediately whether it's working or not and and, and as be... i think you you jeff saw the show i did in in june which was the foreigner and and i think it's oh, one man. of the my favorite shows that i've ever done and we we now, definitely got a lot be, of laughs in that when one. is when is this going to be in seattle how long uh next april in renton oh and how long does it run that's, for uh, that's near the airport uh yeah right it's either three or four weeks I'm I'm not sure. You know what I'm gonna have maybe I'll talk to Shannon and contact and maybe fly up and see what see that. Yeah that would be great. You know because I'm sitting there thinking about the movie and I think that a character like what you have is harder to play because you're all the way on one side pretty much where you're having to convince and then you're having to flip and all of a sudden be humbled. And right. not all of them are humbled as much as, like, your character and a couple others that get humbled because, you know, some of them kind of do it early, and the ones that do it late, like George C. Scott, I thought was in the in the remake, was the one humbled the most because he was sitting there basically just drained. So that's got to be kind of fun to pick that one. I mean, you didn't get a pick, or did they just say he, he, no, he wanted no, for he, that? No, no, he just uh, he picked the 12 actors he wanted and then – then he told us which roles we were going to play. Yeah. So cool. I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, that's I cool. Signed up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so I know I know about half of the I've I've worked with about half of the actors before. So I think we're going to have a a really good show. So oh, definitely back to the series. That. So so back to the four books that you've done with with Oregon Files here real quick. Um. Out of those four, like, and I'm just going to guess. So, like, when you were kind of doing the first one, did you kind of have a little bit of handcuffs on you? Did Clive kind of want to make sure that the things that you were writing were still good and then you got more freedom? Is that kind of how it worked? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I think he okay. was letting me, you know, explore with with whatever I, I thought would be good. And, um, no, I, I – uh, 
I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, we, we got to do some okay. cool stuff in, in the first one. And, and for instance, he, he was the one who suggested putting the, the characters from my own series into the book for a cameo. So, right. Like, so yeah, he, Tyler. He was like, yeah, go, go yeah. try. But, but yeah, we've, we've done some other things, killing off character and adding a new character. And, and so, you know, I think it's, it's fun that, that we've got to do that. I've got to do some, something new with every book. So, you know, in first book, we, we, uh, Added my had a cameo for my characters from my series, the Tyler Locke series, and then the second one we we spoiler alert killed off a character. I won't say which one. Yeah, I and like then, Emperor's um, Revenge right now. Is still probably if I had to pick, I'd say that's my favorite of the four right now. Well, and and putting it up against the uh, the yacht with with the super weapons was a lot of fun. Oh, um, that was so that, cool. That was the first time it really felt like the Oregon could could be defeated and uh and uh so that was that was also a lot of fun to do and then then in uh typhoon fury um he i i created a character named beth anders who is basically based on my sister um she was the one who suggested the storyline of of the art um the stolen artwork being used for um bartering by drug dealers which actually has happened in the real real world. And so huh. I went to Clive and said, well, what if, what if Beth Anders, you know, what if I name her after my sister, Beth? And he said, sure, go ahead. So she's, she's a redheaded art historian <laughs> who went to Cornell, just like my sister. And then in this last one, Shadow Tyrants, we had a new crew I'm, member. I'm, which, I'm only halfway through this one. So don't spoil me. I'm only halfway through. Okay. Well, you, you tell them how it ends. Crew member by now. Huh? Yes. You've seen the new crew member Raven by now, I'm sure. Yes, yes, I have. She was she was introduced in Typhoon Fury, but now she's an official um, corporation member. Okay. He he can't say Typhoon Fury three times fast. Dude, that's like, Typhoon Fury, Typhoon Fury, Typhoon Fury. Yeah, I, I, See, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't <laughs> really? know what it is. <laughs> I just screwed up. I start typhoon starts being like typhoon fury, typhoon fury. I don't, I don't know. It's typhoon, typhoon fury. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's hey, a boy. totally different story. <laughs> it is. Man. That's, that's, that's a whole true. other concept. Hey Boyd, uh, how did Clive discover you in the first place? Well, he um, when when uh, Jack um, took a break, Jack Dubrol, who was the previous writer on the Oregon Files uh, with Clive took, took a break and to do his own books again. Um, Clive was looking for a new person in it and um, picked up a couple of my books um, on the recommendation of, of a, a bookseller he knows very well and who I know very well and read them and he loved them and he loved the endings in particular. And, um, and so he, called up my agent and I got a call from my agent one day out of the blue. I had no idea I was even being considered for this. And she said, well, what would you think of working with Clive Kessler? And I said, Oh, the guy that I've been reading for 35 years <laughs> and who inspired me to, to uh, read thrillers in the first place. Yeah, that would yeah, be no, great. And she said, okay, he's going to call you in two minutes. <laughs> and sure enough, he calls me up and says, hey, boy, I loved your books and wanted to see if you wanted to write the Oregon Files series with me. And I said, that would be great. And he said, okay, we'll fly you down here in two weeks and get started. And 
that was pretty much the extent of our conversation. It was, it was, it was kind of a whirlwind. And you celebrated so cool. by running around your house just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I got to reading because there are not there were nine books previously in the Oregon series which I had read, but it had been a while, and so yeah. I had to go back and read all nine in those two weeks so that I could, you know, know what what had been done in the series, get to know the characters better, and know what hadn't been done so that so that I could we could start brainstorming on the on the next book. How'd your wife react? Did you take a lot of notes? I mean, did you just, did you just have like a bunch of notes? You just kept writing stuff down. Yeah, yeah, some, but um, but it it there was so much information that uh, yeah, I, Jeff helped me out later and and uh, kind of pulled all the information about all the characters together in a little bible that helped me out. Um, and Randy was thrilled. In fact, she's gotten to know Clive and and his wife Janet very well. And hmm. often goes down with me to Phoenix when we're when we're going to when I'm going to work with him. So yeah. so she she knows them pretty much as well as I do now. Oh, and so you're neat. already doing book five right now. Yep, working on book five, and I think we're gonna have some fun with this one. It's uh, I don't want I don't want to spoil anything. It's gonna be uh. fun. And are you gonna now? And you're just so your your writing is you're sticking with the Oregon Files. You're just doing one book a year. You're not going to try to do anything else outside. Well, I am actually. I'm working on a an historical thriller with uh, my sister Beth. Very oh. different from what I'm doing with Clive. Um, but uh, she she is um, the head curator of medieval manuscripts at the Getty Museum in L.A. And um, so she is one of the foremost authorities in the world on the Middle Ages. And so we are doing a book that's set in 1351 um, during the right after the height of the Black Death. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. And the way I think of it, it's kind of, it's an adventure thriller, um, kind of, a, you know, pretty much along the lines of the pacing and, and action of what I've been doing in the past. But, set in historical context and the way I um, uh, think of it is um, you know the, the prologues that we do in the, the Oregon books all always take place in the past um, so for example in, in Shadow Tyrants it takes place in 261 BC and there's a, um, a fun sequence there where you see how the nine unknown men got their start and mm-hmm. so the way I think of the book that I'm working on with Beth is it's it's a prologue of a Clive book extended for the whole book. Huh. You know, okay, cool. if I could, I'm going to have to email you to see if you could email your sister because that's one of my favorite periods of time, and maybe she could recommend some books to read during that time period. Sure. That would be great. Yeah, about like, about fact, that, she, like some good history books about a, that time um, period. And and she's um, putting on an exhibit um, at the Getty next May that I think is going to be very well attended because it's on um, beasts in manuscripts, um, so bestiaries, um, which which are were collections of both oh, real and and imagined creatures 
um, from the Middle Ages. So so dragons and unicorns and oh yeah, I'm going and I'm going. and elephants and and tigers, you know, which you know Europeans might never have seen. And so um, I you know and they're they're they they think of it as you know how influential it's been on pop culture even today. Yeah. Um, that, those kinds of things. So and and uh, I think it's going to be a really big show. I'm going to go, go and, down and see it. Of and course. did you say is she at the Getty Villa or the Getty Center? <laughs> she is the Getty Center. Okay, the Getty Center. Okay, which I drive by every single day, twice going to yeah. and from work. Been there a couple times. Great place. Yeah, I'm going to have to go see that. So maybe you can oh, introduce yeah. us and um, I can yeah. say hi to her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Shannon and I would love to go. I'd love to check that out myself. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a and great. You're going to come I, down I for think it? It's, oh yeah. I'll, I'll debate oh, it. Oh, then we got to get together. You come down for it. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. 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 So that's cool. So you're having a lot of fun. I mean, man, just with these books, you can tell. That's why I was kind of asking about the reins because it's not that it, it's not that every book is like more action, more action. It just kind of seems it's just it's. I see a lot of Boyd. A lot more, and like in the books, I just start seeing a lot. It's a lot. I, I, I guess I can't really say the word, but you know, it just kind of feels like it's a little more you around. A uh-huh. lot of it. Well, yeah. I mean, I I try to put so that's that why in. I know you're having fun. And there were a lot of fun things that we got to do in Shadow Tyrants. You know, one of my favorite scenes was to write was the uh, the scene that takes place in uh, Mumbai. Um, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, John, but um, there's there's a, a, a scene that, that is uh, related to the Bollywood um, uh, Not yet. area. Okay. And it might be coming right around the corner. My, so, but, uh, yeah. yeah. But there, there, there are a lot of things, and I, I actually um, included one of Clive's cars in the story, too, which you haven't gotten to yet either. So you'll you'll see. That's I think that may be the first time we put one of Clive's cars into an Oregon Files book. Yeah, because I was going to say they've been in uh, some of his other series. Oh yeah, well he always right. does it yeah. in a Dirk Pitt series, and and right. he might have done it in a couple of other series, but I think this is the first time one of one of his actual cars has been in the in the story. And that that was fun. Yeah, uh, talk to me a bit about um, the thing you did with Graham, who does the Numa Files. You wrote a scene, yeah, and he wrote the same right. scene. Uh, how did how did you organize that? Well, Graham Brown and I have known each other since before either of us even had a literary agent, let alone being published. So we've known each other for twelve years, I guess, and so we're wow. really good friends. We've gone on trips together and. Um, and while he was working on Pharaoh's Secret and I was working on The Emperor's Revenge, uh, we went to, on a trip to Malta, which was kind of an epic adventure in itself. And, and I said to him, well, wouldn't it be cool if we, since you and I both know each other so well, what if we talked to Clive about letting us put in a scene where our books overlap? And um, Clive thought that was a great idea um, because, as you know, many of his books feature characters from, from other series, and they're all interlinked. Um, and so what Graham and I did was we created the same action scene in each of our books and told it 
from the viewpoint of, of our own main characters. So it was, it was in a warehouse in Malta. There was a big gunfight, gun battle inside the warehouse. And both Kurt Austin, who is the lead character of his series, and Juan Cabrillo's the lead character of my series, ended up in the same warehouse at the same time during this gun battle. And they kind of surprise each other that they're both there looking for different artifacts related to an uh, auction that's going on. And so we had to spend a lot of time communicating with each other to make sure the scene uh, um, uh, un, uh, went, went along so that we could both integrate it into our stories so that our characters would be there at the right time, but also so that the scene, so that we knew exactly how the scene unraveled um, and had the exact same dialogue in each book because we know that Clive's readers are very particular and, and read all of his books and they would know immediately if it, if it didn't match up. And so it was interesting that we, once, once both the books came, his came out first and mine came out second, and it was interesting seeing feedback from, from readers who thought, wait a minute, I've read this scene before. But it was actually in his book, told from Kurt Austin's point of view, and then in, in my book, told from Juan Cabrillo's point of view. And it was, it was a lot of fun to do, but it was really hard. It, I mean, coordinating everything just for this one scene. I mean, it was really only three chapters in each book. But to coordinate it all and make sure it was exactly right took us weeks to get it right. It was, it was amazing how hard it was to do. Wow. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun, and I think readers really enjoyed it because, like I said, Clive's readers are, are very faithful and, and read all of his series. And, and so when they happened upon that, it was kind of like a little Easter egg for them. It was, it was really cool, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have plans to bring Tyler Locke back in uh, uh, either yourself or with uh, another cameo in one of Clive's books? I haven't thought about doing another cameo. Um, it would be fun to do another story with him if I had the right idea. But um, right now, if there's, um, I don't know how much demand there is from publishers for another Tyler Lock book. So that would be the main impediment right now, um, other than just my time. Because, like I said, I'm doing uh, working on two different books right now, and so getting in the Tyler Lock book would be difficult on in the schedule um right but uh i do i you know i have an idea the very vague idea for one but um it, it would be far in the future probably at least a couple of years yeah okay yeah well boyd man hey it's always great to talk to you so happy about yeah the, you uh, too books out happy that number five is going so we know that the series is going to keep con- continue, you know going to keep continuing Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And and I saw that the the audio book is number seven on Audible dot com this week. So oh, nice! That's not always nice to see. Um, and and you know I think with the the Scott Brick narrating that that just um, is another thing that makes people like like listening to it. So he's um, definitely the best of them all. Oh yeah. seriously. Yeah, he recently so just started doing the Jack Reacher books. Cuz cuz I oh. think the previous narrator retired. Huh. So, nice. Yeah, he does he does everybody. 
Do you, do you get a lot of because he's so good? Do you get a lot yeah. of email from from people that read you know the Custler books and know that you're the one who did predominantly all the writing? Uh, well, I get I get email. I get a lot of now with social media. It's mostly on Facebook and Twitter. Um, okay. But I do get people who who ha- say that oh I, I read the Oregon Files books you did with Clive and decided to try your own books and I love those too. So you know. Yeah. You know, I I do get questions from from readers uh on a regular basis asking when when Tyler Locke is coming back, but uh <laughs> if I can fit it in and find a publisher that wants it, I would love to do one. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't you give us your the the social media site where you want people to kind of go to? I know you probably have a couple. Okay. Yeah, it's uh on Facebook, I'm Boyd Morrison writer. Um, that's where you can follow me, and then on Twitter, I'm just at Boyd Morrison. Okay. Now we have a website too, right? Yeah, BoydMorrison.com. Cool. Okay. okay. And all the client stuff is on there, and all your stuff is on there, name. so that's good. You've got a mix of both. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's pretty amazing. The Shadow Tyrants is my tenth book, which. I, re- I recently realized that's that's over a million words in print, which is pretty astounding to me. Gee, congrats! <clears throat> you put it that's that way. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It sounds sounds a lot more daunting if you if you had told me that ten years ago. Okay, now go and write a million words. I I, I would have curled up in a fetal position. Yeah, that, that <laughs> shit wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know. All right. Hey, well, the book is Shadow Tyrants, and it is out now, so everybody go out and buy it. And, Boyd, again, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to email you some stuff back and forth because I am going to talk to Shannon about coming out there and seeing uh, 12 Angry Men. That will be fun. And then I would love to see and talk to your sister more about the medieval Middle Ages period because um, I'd love to see what her thoughts and, you know, to read. So I'll get with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you would love the exhibit. So I will definitely connect you. All right, wow. man. Well, you have a good one. All right, thanks. and we will talk with you soon. You. All okay. right, take care. Out. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, bye. So bye. again, everybody, that is author Boyd Morrison, and uh, he is co-writing, of course, with Clive Cussler, and the book is called Shadow Tyrants, and it is out now, and it is uh, book thirteen of the Organ Files. So, go get your copy. Yep. Yeah. So, Jeff, it's always a pleasure. It's always great. Right. October 2nd, like we said, uh, try to get Sean Parnell back on and uh, that. And so, in the meantime, I guess we'll just talk to everybody later. Have a good one. Thanks again. All right. See you later. Keep reading. Bye-bye.